Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. Today I'm interviewing my dear friend, my close friend, and longtime collaborator, Link McElvany. So recently, Link took a trip to an ashram in India for three months to chill out, check it out, see what's up, dedicate himself to selfless service for a few months. And so he runs through us the the type of exercises he was doing, some of the meditation, the chanting, the physical exercises. And then he talks about some of the benefits, the spiritual experiences he's had a result of, of this journey. Press like on YouTube, press subscribe on YouTube, head on over to Facebook and press like on Facebook Hover over the like button, you can press get notifications, and that's going to mean everything that we post is going to come up, jump up in your face like a rabid monkey. Hopefully a little friendlier, though. Then you can jump on over to iTunes, press subscribe on iTunes, leave a review on iTunes. Jump on over to Pocket Cast if you have another phone that's Android, and subscribe on Pocket Cast. It's going to mean you're automatically notified, get access to the new episodes when they get uploaded, and then... Jump on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. We appreciate it so much. We love it. Uh, we can't bend down on our knees and kiss your feet, propose marriage, everything it takes to get you to please donate. We really do appreciate it when you toss us a few bones. Uh, suggest a donation, one US dollar per episode that you like. So if you only like one of them, give a dollar. If you like all of them, set your uh, clock to remind you to continue donating until the end of time so we accumulate a a large fortune and can end up taking over the world and uh, remember to head on over to theparadiseparadox.com have a look through our old episodes we're releasing stuff twice a week pretty intense about to jam your head through with new ideas interviews crazy other paradoxes that you haven't heard before and uh, have a look on amazon so if you're going to buy something off amazon or you just want to have a little window shop on amazon head on over to the paradiseparadox.com you see at the top there's a link that says shop amazon there's also some suggested books related to what we're talking about Uh, and uh, you can head on over to amazon it's not going to mean any inconvenience for you when you do it through this link just two seconds to go onto our website and click it but it does mean that we get a small commission when you um Press that purchase button when you check out, swipe your credit card and get those goods delivered to your home cleanly and conveniently and discreetly. And one last thing, if you want to read the show notes, head on over to theparadiseparadox.com slash 44, theparadiseparadox.com slash 44. And that's going to have a little extra information about what we talk about in this session. So let's get into it. Mr. Link, Mr. Link McAlvany, welcome to the Paradise Paradox. Thank you. Uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, long, long time, long time <laughs> listener, first time caller. <laughs> okay, so you're going to tell us today of something about your uh, mystical adventures in India. Ah, in India? Yeah, sure, sure. Sounds good. Okay. All right. 
so when, when did you leave for India? I uh, left for India on the 26th of Boxing Day of uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so tell, tell us what was, the, what was the idea? What were you going there to do? What was the overall plan? Mm. Well, I've been uh, practicing a, a form of yoga for since late 2013. Um, so mm-hmm. I've been attending an ashram in, in Fitzroy in Melbourne. Uh, for chanting and meditation and, and teachings and things like that. And um, I've uh, one of the practices of our school is Saver, which is selfless service. So I was... Sorry, Saver? Saver, S-E-V-A. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, great. Are you familiar with Saver? Do you know what it is? No, no. I mean, the, the idea sounds familiar, selfless service. It's a, um, Yeah, it sounds like some ideas from... From Eastern teaching and yeah, but I've I've never heard that term before. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, essentially, it's a practice. So uh, it's mm-hmm. it's performing an action like a selfless action without any uh, expectation on receiving the fruits of that action. Mm. So mm. Uh, yeah, you, you're doing it for the sake of doing it uh, to develop like awareness, concentration. Uh, you know all, all the all the different kind of things that are involved with with being mindful on a task, and it's, gen- mm. it's generally uh, to either serve you know another person, serve the guru, serve the you know the com- the greater community. Um, yeah. And so in this particular situation, I was I was offering seva at an ashram in in India, and uh, the seva that I was offering was in the music department. So. Um, Great. Supporting. I mean, they have they have chants sort of every day, and um, there's a lot of different events that go on where they they have a large community of people coming in to chant with um, the, I guess you could call them like the the living savites at the ashram. So sorry, the living saver arts, <laughs> the live in savites. So the the savites ah, who are okay, like okay. a savite <laughs> being someone who offers saver, and um, yep, the yep. people who live at the ashram while they're offering seva the ashram itself and uh the community it's a the focus is quite a lot on study so you you're you're really studying this school of yoga uh, which is a complete Mm. system of yoga it's not just hatha yoga which is like physical yoga it's yoga in the more traditional sense of um union with god and you know these ideas of of um studying yourself and and reality uh through practice so, um, hmm. so um, let's see. There's a couple of questions about that. So, so with Saver, the idea isn't really to develop good karma. That's not really the object. Um, it's it's more just focusing it, focusing precisely on what you're doing. Yeah, I ooh. see. You're probably going to ask me a lot of questions that I can't answer so okay. completely. Because I'm, okay, I'm quite yep. new, so I have an idea, and I'm a little bit hesitant to speak uh, for mm. the organisation itself or the the school itself. Uh, so, in terms of uh, the the my understanding of savor and my intention, uh, and good karma, like yeah, like these concepts, they're you know they're so twisted up in in kind of previous ideas I had of the idea of karma. Uh. And, yep. and my current understanding. But I guess through offering Saver, you are uh, in a way creating good karma. But again, it, I'm a little bit 
careful about what I say because I think also your listeners uh, may have mm. some idea of karma that might be a bit simplistic or a bit based on a kind of more magical understanding <laughs> of things. Um, okay, okay. Like, I mean, straight off the bat, we should say that karma... So it's more, it's more like about cause and effect, uh, direct cause and effect or something like that or... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And from, okay. from, for, again, from my uh, basic understanding, there is a correlation between or some sort of relationship between uh, good actions that you performed in the past and your mm. uh, what happens in your life. Say, I guess from my understanding, in this current incarnation, in this life, um, the good actions I perform will have like obvious effects in the future like if i eat right or i exercise or i you know Mm -hmm. treat somebody in a nice way um you know my body's more likely to be healthy it's more likely to be strong and that person's more likely to treat me well you know so you've got that direct karmic you know effect uh but then also in terms of lifetimes like it seems like you can uh generate and build up a uh you know uh a, yeah, a good karma over over lifetimes, and therefore your next birth uh, will be more fortuitous in certain ways. But again, you know, is this in material wealth? Is this in uh, you know health and well-being? happiness and yeah. happiness, or is it in terms of development? Like, um, mm. and so, like, to make sense of any of this, my basic understanding is that. Uh, the goal of my life or the goal of, of existence is to reunite with uh, with the universal, like the complete consciousness of, of everything. So, yep, and, yep. Uh, and in that is that that completeness is composed of, of consciousness, uh, bliss, and awareness, um, and and existence itself. So, um, so yeah, in terms of good karma and what that would bring, I guess it would bring me <laughs> closer to achieving that, that state or, or reuniting in that way. Um, and so, yeah. so saver, okay. saver will, I guess, have that effect in certain ways. Um, but there's a whole bunch of positive effects of saver. And uh, as with all the practices uh, that, I, that I practice, but... Um, again, you know, I'm, I'm not, my intention is not to focus on those effects. Like that's again, not the point of doing so, yes. but yes, yes, yes. But at the same time, yeah, well, that was, that was kind of my question. Like the, the idea isn't that you do this service and, and then it comes back to you in a good way. But the, the idea is it's, it's kind of worth doing of itself. Yeah. And yeah. And again, the great paradox is that the more you do it in and of itself, the more fruits, mm. <laughs> generally you're probably <laughs> going to receive from it so that's the, right that's right. the hilarious little like mind fuck where you just like <laughs> where, you, where as i'm practicing these things you know i'm i'm constantly attempting to optimize my experience optimize my behavior optimize my uh excellence in action you know um mm. but having said that i'm also trying to let go of the attachment to the outcome of them which is generally speaking you know, has been the main motivation for all of my actions in my life, you know, like, um, mm. I've definitely lived a life where, I mean, I've been altruistic and, and selfless and, and very kind to people and generous, but, 
um, if I'm honest with myself, I can see that it's all come from a place of, of uh, selfishness or self-absorption or, you know, uh, a, de- mm. a desire to, to better my own position in the world or, you know, uh, my own access yeah. to resources or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I'm not yet at a, at a place where I can really <laughs> uh, say that I'm, I'm doing it completely selflessly or whatever that means. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's practice. That's the point. You just do it and see what happens. <laughs> okay okay yeah well that's uh, that sounds reasonable mm. uh so let's see so when I, I used to read yoga texts like the yoga sutras and the hatha yoga pranipika um uh, the yoga sutras is uh it's it doesn't go into great detail have you ever read it uh no n- not the yoga sutras okay no. okay okay it's like a it's kind of like a textbook so, like, it would be used for a, a teacher for reference, mm-hmm. and it's based around the 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 eightfold path. So, is that the is the eightfold path included in in these teachings, or that, that's a separate school? Uh, look, uh, I haven't heard that particular wording in my school, but that doesn't ah, mean okay. that that doesn't mean that I was listening properly when they said it <laughs> you know um, okay. but uh, from my understanding it's pretty it's pretty much yeah like the eightfold path is pretty universal to these uh, different schools uh-huh. I mean uh, are you asking what are the core sort of uh, yeah, yeah. well so, like the ones the ones that I remember let's see so this there's things like uh, kind of like what you're describing with Shaiva, uh, which I think they call it Yama, uh, which is like taking action. So you just then you, you cut out for about five seconds there. Can you just read that? Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yama, which is like taking right action, and then Niyama, which is uh, they describe or it's sometimes translated as virtue, and then there's uh, the doing the physical exercises, the the what do you call that? Ashana. Uh, well, then, asana is, yep. is posture, or like it's, it's yeah, maintaining yeah. posture. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. And and then breathing, and then in the later ones, it got in, got into certain stages of meditation. Uh, and I'm try- I, I can't remember the words in Sanskrit, but it's like um, focus. Concentration and then true meditation, which they call shamadhi. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, with this, uh, I don't have direct experience of, of that description of all hmm. these things. Oh, but everything you said there, hmm. are obviously, uh, say like ways in which a human being can develop that are really awesome. So, yeah. Um, yep. So they're all, I, yeah. I guess you could say uh, effects of the practices that I that I practice um, mm-hmm. our main five well maybe, maybe there's more but I'll just like the main the main uh, practices that we go yep. for uh, chanting uh, yep. meditation uh, mm-hmm. savor and mm-hmm. oh, see I'm a bad student hey I should remember them all easily um, <laughs> um, or maybe do a little bit more research before I start a podcast like this um, and uh uh, dakshina, which is like uh, offering, um, so that could be okay. like, you know resources or material wealth or what have you. 
Um, so savor, chanting, meditation, dakshina, and there's, I think there's one that I'm forgetting, but yeah, anyway, it'll come. Okay. And, um, and then, you know, you've got to practice like chanting. Uh, so like with chanting, you've got these long text chants. So some of the chants are more, uh, like, uh, the name of God and, and in our practice, these names are, um, often things like eternal bliss or, you know, the bliss of freedom and the bliss of liberation, the bliss of the player consciousness, you know, like these, when people think of chanting God's name, I think often there's this kind of funny misconception with, um, you know, mm. uh, monotheistic religions and just basic bullshit cultural stuff that's uh, kind of a bit annoying. But, um, but... It's- okay, okay. So it's not, uh, like, if you think of saying, saying something like the Lord's Prayer, this would be very different. I'm sure, but what uh, what makes it different? Well, yeah. So it simultaneously, it's very different and exactly the same, because okay. like if you're, <laughs> if you're practicing a, uh, if you're practicing Catholicism, Christianity, you know any of these other mm-hmm. religions with with proper understanding and proper mm. awareness, which I consider to be that we are we are everything. Like everything is consciousness. Yep. God is just a word to do. You know to it's an easy label to talk about this thing, which is sometimes called the self with a big S, you know, um, mm. you know, any new agey kind of philosophy has some, some form of this concept in it. You know, <laughs> Buddhism has it, you know, all this sort of stuff. So in, in my understanding of like Christianity and the Lord's prayer and things like that, I like the Gnostic interpretation of most of these things, uh, yep. similar with, with Judaism, like Kabbalah or with Islam, Sufism, you know, in all of these mm-hmm. religions, you have, uh, what's sometimes described as like the mystical, um, branch of it. And generally yep. speaking, they hold these same truths to be eternal and consistent. So if your understanding of the Lord is yourself, is your, is like the, the awareness that observes uh, your existence and hmm. and uh, not as some separate entity that that has power over you and that has you know blah blah blah, blah uh, that is judging hmm. you and all these like some dictator some tyrant or something like that yeah some uh, yeah you know we we all we all well most of us went through our atheist rebellion against this fictional character but um <laughs> <laughs> but um right but essentially yeah if you have what I consider proper understanding and you you uh, had the Lord's Prayer like for example organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous uh, which my dad's mm-hmm. into you know they they have these same prayers in them but they tend to focus them towards what they describe as a higher power and it's not really defined and they just say you can do it in whatever mm-hmm. way you want whatever that means to you so if you have that intention of, of praying to uh, the self it doesn't matter what words you use I, I guess as long as the uh, intention and the, yeah, your your focus is is good. Um, okay, so it's like this this intention and practice of revealing your own divinity, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming back yeah. to your own divinity, remembering who you really are, you know, um, mm-hmm. and remembering that you're not this this ego and these thoughts, you know, like that's really important. Like the fundamental misidentification with this ego, this name we're given when we're, you know, when we're born, all these things like that causes mm. suffering. Like that's, that's the kind of one of the fundamental reasons why people suffer in general is because they think they are the thing that they've been told they are <laughs> when really mm. they're not. They're, they're the awareness that observes 
this thing, this vehicle that they're you know currently driving in some way. <laughs> um, but to to also properly understand the other side of that question, the difference between like the Lord's Prayer and our one is that um, you know when when you're chanting a, a name and you understand that that name is the bliss of freedom, or mm. you know the 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 bliss of the play of consciousness, which is this you know this creation this this existence that we live in like that's a beautiful thing to say to yourself and and to think about so it naturally has this uh joyous wonderful effect on your consciousness and your experience because i mean if you were to sing anything like if you have a, a lovely pop song you know that you that you love singing like if it's silly enough yeah. or it's just fun enough or it makes you feel something like you're gonna feel something yeah so yes um so these these practices aren't just about uh, like I mean some people I think see submission to uh, to God or a guru or the self or these ideas they see it as somehow like a hierarchical kind of like uh, mm. power thing um, yes. but again that's only uh, true if you're if you have a misidentification with <laughs> your ego you know because uh, okay. or you have a misidentification with the ego of the thing that you're chanting or the name that you're using because if again if you separate it and go you're greater than me uh, you know uh, and you have that relationship then yeah there is some weird yeah there's some weird kind of uh, yeah dis- disjoint disjointed <laughs> nature like the separation yeah yeah but but at, yeah. at times when you when when i remember uh mm. the sort of correct understanding of it it's it's just great you know like like i'm uh, if i bow i'm bowing to myself you know and i'm not bowing to, <laughs> i'm not even bowing to link you know like and because that's the thing it's like it's like not thinking oh now no, i'm not bowing to them i'm bowing to me and we're the same it's like no 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 i'm bowing to this thing uh this yeah, this essence. Okay. Okay, okay. But then, okay. What, um, I have heard some, some strange stories about gurus, and I, I don't expect this would be the, sa- the same in your organization, but things like where, uh, where, where the guru, um, you know, he claims to have this special enlightenment, and, the, and then he gets his followers to pay for his trips around the world and orders them to, to send, uh, go to the supermarket and get him... Uh, peanut butter brittle ice cream or s- something like that yeah. uh, so how uh, is there some uh, like I, I guess there's no hard and fast rules but is is there a way to know that that your your guru is is on the right track that that he's you know that, that he or she has the you know your best interest at heart yeah yeah that's a really great question and it's 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 mm. something I think about a lot um, mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, there are false gurus. Absolutely. Mm. Like there, there, there are false everything. And, uh, there's a couple of cool, cool concepts around this idea. You'll know if you're, if you have a true guru, if your life changes in positive ways, if you have, if you, after practicing mm. the system, you see not beneficial changes just in like your material wealth or your position or your status, you know, any of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But if you actually, can look at yourself honestly and say, "I'm a more generous human being. I'm more disciplined. I'm, you know, my, my I'm more content. My practices are 
are deeper and my experiences are, are richer and I have a, a, a genuine feeling of love that's beginning to mm-hmm. spontaneously emerge inside of me. You know, like, you, it's um, the ability to test the validity of your guru is is up to you, you know, like, uh, it's my understanding. Yep. Um, of course, I mean, there are probably some massive red flags, <laughs> you know, like, that, that, <laughs> you know, as you've said, have been pointed out uh, by many different, um, uh, you know, media sources and accounts from people, like, um, and I don't really mm. think I need to go into those because, you know, exactly, again, you know, I'll leave it up to people to decide for themselves whether they think that seems like a, a way that they would have a teacher behave or whatever. And, mm. and I guess another good example uh, of, a, of, a, of a, what I would consider a true guru is that they say, you shouldn't follow me blindly. Uh, yep. You should test me. You, like, it's healthy to have doubt. Like, if you, uh, mm. if you approach me without any doubt whatsoever and you just accept everything I say as gospel truth without testing it yourself, watch out. <laughs> that's how <laughs> right. really dangerous cults get started and, and, and grow and, and that's how even without a guru yeah. that's just how people are misled in general like I think it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting that people are suspicious of gurus and I understand that because there is a very much like the guru-disciple relationship is uh, really strong and, and once mm. you've accepted your guru like you do what they say like uh, not again not out of a sense of like like, uh, not in a silly way, just because you know that if they are a true guru, if this person is realized, if they've attained this state that they claim to have attained, then they mm-hmm. know uh, they know some shit. <laughs> 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 their, their, their experience cool. and their perspective is is really, really uh, is really uh, incredible. So if they tell you yeah. something, they they tell you to do something. And remember that that these are prescriptions. Generally speaking, like a, a a good teacher will prescribe something personally to you. They will prescribe teachings uh-huh. to everybody. But if they say something directly to you, that doesn't necessarily apply to the person next to you. You know, yeah. uh, and that doesn't necessarily apply to you in twenty years' time. You know, like it, all of mm. these, uh, well, some of these teachings will be really specific to where you are at that particular moment. So, yeah, you know, like there's this idea that you want to kind of, uh, you, you want to enact uh, your guru's uh, um, teachings as quickly as possible, as as completely as possible, um, because that will bring you the most benefit. Uh, but, but then, you know, you have... Um, you should, you know, you should, I should, I should be able to see in a few months, in six months, in a year, whether or not when I did the things that my guru suggested, did they have the kind of results that, uh, that they were claimed to have? Or, you know, am I feeling different? And I, I know from my personal experience, absolutely. Like, I mean, I've mm. had some particularly interesting experiences that made it, that weren't subtle at all, you know, and my um, mm. my general behaviour and outlook on life and contentment, like it's 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 not a question to me anymore. Like I can, it's really obvious. So I don't I don't have this kind of I don't I'm not playing this kind of uh, doubting scepticism game that I was playing say like six months ago up until about six months ago because I've I've seen the proof. Um, but again, you know, uh, 
anybody else should should have that scepticism and that doubt until they feel that that's been alleviated. And uh, and the other thing that's interesting about the true guru thing is um, it's not it's not as important to have a true guru as it is to be a true seeker. Ah, um, uh, okay, okay. And uh, uh, the reason for this is that um, it doesn't matter what endeavor you're attempting to get into in life, if you want to become an actor, if you want to become a musician, if you want to, you know, uh, be a good accountant, you know, unless you genuinely want to do that thing, you can have the greatest teacher in the world and they will, you're not going to exceed, succeed, you're not going to excel at what you're doing. And hmm. the same is true with uh, understanding of the self and understanding of yourself. Um, so, you know, if you're a crappy seeker and you, you come and approach my guru and, and you don't follow the practices and you do stuff, you know, you're not going to get much out of it. Uh, yeah. But conversely, the funny thing is, even if you've got a false guru, right, um, who's, who's maybe got like, who doesn't have a complete understanding, like they're not fully realized, they don't, they're not in this state, but they are using the jargon and the teachings and you know, because even these false gurus, they most of them have read the the books. You know, they, they, they've okay. read enough yeah. that they can fake it. You know what I mean? Um, okay. And so, so do you, uh, do you mean someone deliberately malicious or someone who's misled, or it could be either? Uh, I guess this is maybe truer for somebody who's misleading themselves and thinks yeah. that, okay. but, and okay. because that's the. That's the the most dangerous point uh, part of it all is that the mm. ego is still there, you know, right up until realization, even after realization, the ego is still there uh, to be used as a tool to engage with this body and this world. And, you know, um, the, the, your ego and your mind, your thoughts, they're a really useful tool and a really useful thing. Mm. Um, so, you, from my understanding, you don't, ever, you don't ever, like, not have it anymore yep. you just gain the ability to control it or to to use it at will rather than have mm. it use you at will um mm. so as a person becomes closer and closer to this goal the ego traps probably get greater and greater and greater you know so like because from my understanding there, mm. are, there are these things called cities which are like the kind of you know your, your psychic powers or all, all the all the different uh powers uh, you know, you're beyond regular sensory perception and just, you know, the stuff that mm. a lot of uh, more new agey people who aren't true seekers want to develop more than, <laughs> more than uh, realization, it seems. Um, <laughs> those things are dangerous, yeah? And so if somebody got really close to that uh, but then fell into the ego trap, they could be really, really close but still be somewhat of a false guru because they're not, yeah, they're not... Uh, they, they may lead people astray through their own, through their own mm. leading themselves astray. And then, so for those people being a true seeker, yeah, you're probably going to get heaps of benefit out of that anyway because, again, most of the things they're saying are legit. They're backed up by scripture. They're backed up by experience. They're backed up by um, <laughs> what you could, I guess, consider the peer review system of, of spirituality, <laughs> which is that... Okay, the, the time-tested, uh, like, the, these ideas have been around for a long time and they, you know, they're still still coming back around. Yeah, and I, I, I apologize to um, 
uber rationalist materialist then by using the word peer review i know that's really naughty of me and it's it peer review is very what I've you just, just defended several gods in this interview so. yeah i apologize <laughs> all hail dawkins and all that shit whatever <laughs> but um but yeah like uh yeah so essentially there from what i've seen when i when i've looked at different texts in terms of like i said gnosis or any of the cool new agey books that i've read in general um the, sorry what what was that one did you say hypnosis gnosis like gnostic oh gnosis all oh, right okay um, yep. which i haven't looked into a lot but I, I one of my teachers from the shiatsu college was um, talking about it in a podcast i recorded a while ago and that was yeah really close like gnosis and these mm-hmm. different things like the fundamental truths of them are the same you know so mm-hmm. Uh, same with yoga, like the fundamental truths of most of the systems of yoga are, are pretty consistent across cultures and um, yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, but then even if you've got uh, a shitty guru who's totally misleading people, that, that's pretty hard. But it, but again, like a true seeker will be uh, will be acting out of devotion, right? And acting out of mm. genuine desire for knowledge and genuine practice so like when they're told to meditate they're meditating they're not meditating to 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 look good for their false guru you know what i mean and and (laughs) okay good point and so so the practices in themselves bear fruit yeah so it's like Mm. it's like if if you had a really I don't know, maybe this is a really poor analogy, but like a personal trainer, well, that, that is dangerous though, actually, because they could show you some really shitty ways to do push-ups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but if you're mindful of your own body while you're doing push-ups, you'll be able to see that, yeah, no, nah, that's a shitty analogy, really, because, yeah, if they were like, no, do it this way, <laughs> then, then it could hurt you. But yeah, like they, again, so there's still danger, but, but it's still important yeah. regardless of, of whether or not you're figuring out if your guru is legit or not, that you are, you're legit. Um, that's the important mm. part. Um, and yeah, so I don't know if, if I've properly answered the question because it's a hard one, man. Like, like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't expect an easy answer. There's not, there's not really any easy answer. I mean, it takes like... Um, you know, life, a lifetime of experience to to determine whether someone is is for real or not. Mm, maybe lifetimes. It's, yeah. Sorry. Maybe, maybe several. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. That that certainly could help. Because yeah, if you're if you're born as a person who's just just a fucking sheep, you know, and it's just going going <laughs> along with it, um, then yeah, good luck. Yeah, like life is not fair, you know. Like that's that's the one interesting thing about all this stuff. I think is that that life is not fair, and um, mm. and it seems that there's like there's this concept called grace, where in which is a it's a this really cool word to use to describe this thing of like why is it that I get shit, you know? Why is it that I have found a true guru? Why is it that I have um, mm. have this path in front of me, or uh, mm. you know these things and. Uh, they say, well, due to grace, is this? It's just this. It's kind of. It's almost like the luck of the draw, but okay. but, it's, but, it's, <laughs> but it but it's not. You know, from my understanding, anyway, it's like it's like the conscious somewhere in there. There was there is consciousness that is that this grace is uh, enacted by or or following the will of or whatever. But for whatever reason you have grace and therefore you're not uh 
Okay. You're not a moron. It's a, <laughs> yeah, a, well, a, a phrase I like is, is divine providence. I think yeah. it's a similar thing. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> just a, I like saying it, divine providence. It sounds nice. And providence, <laughs> providence sounds like a beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which is again the Paradise Paradox. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter and listen to us on iTunes or Pocket Casts. So, do you want to tell us a bit about your routines i mean you said you said um you would do chanting i imagine you would do that almost every day um in my daily life like now that i'm back from the ashram well i meant during while well, you were during the ashram but sure that yeah, well, that's i guess that's a part of the yeah well, part I was, of it too. well I was the, at the ashram um yeah so uh now there's there's some interesting parts about that because i mean yeah Hmm. Let me just try to think because I can I can talk about my experience, but I'm hesitant to talk too much about certain parts of uh, the ashram because it's kind of like um, I'm not sure if you've Fight Club, <laughs> not so much like Fight Club, um, okay, <laughs> uh, more like Cooperation Club, but um, it's more like ah. when people when people do a vipassana course. I'm not sure if you've experienced this, but um, say someone recommends that you attend a vipassana meditation course which for people who don't know is like a 10-day uh, Buddhist meditation retreat that you can do pretty much all over the world. Um, okay. There's this kind of generalized idea that you don't necessarily talk too much about what it's, what it's like there because you mm. don't want to give people preconceived ideas of what they're going to experience while they're there. Yep. So that's why if you see me stopping and kind of thinking and being like, mm, I'm not sure how I should answer this, it's, it's due to these kind of considerations. Um, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And, um, and in terms of my, my work, uh, well, the, the savor that I offered and some of the, um, the savor that I was doing, I did sign certain confidentiality agreements. So, like, you know, I've got to be a little mm-hmm. bit careful about, you know, personal information and, and certain activities and stuff like that. Yep. Especially considering this is going out on the internet. So <laughs> forgive me if I'm somewhat cagey and just refer it, keep on referring it back to my own personal experience. Um, yeah. But in terms yep. of yep. in terms of the practices, I'm pretty sure I could um, express that. Yeah, you know, like we were in the ashram, we were chanting. Uh, the 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 daily schedule of it is is like the foundation of the thing. Uh, is what keeps it keeps it really strong and just incredible to 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 be a part of and that is yeah mm. you know um it's not it's not like you're it's not enforced as in there's nobody sort of over your shoulder being like you should be you should be there already you should be doing this thing this practice this whatever it just says they just say to you look um this is the ideal way if you if you follow this schedule things will be easier for you just in general mm-hmm. and it's pretty it sounds pretty hardcore when you're <laughs> when you're not there because it's you know, 4 a.m. start for, for chanting and meditation uh, for, for, you know, an hour and a half and then uh, another uh, about an hour of a long text chant. And so just mm. to um, kind of describe the difference, you've got what are called namas in, kirtan, namas in kirtanas, 
which my pronunciation is probably really bad, so apologies, all you Sanskritologists <laughs> out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, another Sankirtana is, is chanting the name God. Uh, and that's just like, it'll just be maybe a sentence or two or three that's kind of just repeated over and over and over again uh, in the kind of call, call response fashion. Um, mm. But then you've got long text chants. So you've got these like sections of, uh, say, the Bhagavad Gita or one is called the Guru Gita or these different long, um, generally they're, they're like dialogues between two uh, deities or gods or something. Like So you might have... Um, the Guru Gita is, I believe, Shiva and uh, his spouse Parvati, or uh, anyway. So it will be like okay. it will be two two beings discussing the ideal relationship between a disciple and the Guru, or two beings discussing how to, you know, correctly perceive and worship Rama, you know, the God, or you know. And so they're long; they're really long, um, oh. and um, they're awesome as a practice because they contain every like element of these different you know eightfold path these different kind of practices we were talking about so when you're doing a long mm-hmm. text chant you not only are you sitting in a kind of a meditation posture you're maintaining you know a, a sort of straight balanced position for you know up to an hour an hour and a half you know whatever it is for the, for the chant um you're mm-hmm. also practicing uh concentration so the whole time you're you're, you're meant to be concentrating solely on this thing that you're doing, uh, which is not easy, and you, my mind wandered, you know, quite often. Um, yep. But the whole game is that it's going to wander, but you just keep bringing it back. You just keep bringing it back. You're bringing it back, and you, you'll notice that you can keep chanting, and you're, you're thinking about, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like kind of like when you read a book and you get three paragraphs in, and you realize that you hadn't actually consciously read it. You know. Yeah. So yeah. You've got that with chanting, but you just keep bringing it back, and um, and then you've got you know, this asana, this posture. So it's not just the meditation posture, but you're generally also holding a book sort of up like this. So you're developing all this strength in your body um, and you're practicing your... your. Vo- Sorry, when you, when you say like this, you mean like holding it in your hands in front of you, something yeah, like that. Yeah, you're holding it in a position where in which you can see it directly in front of you, yeah. but it's kind of generally, it's sort of, it's like eyes down um, towards mm. the book. Um, and then you've got... Uh, You've got you're creating a sound, and you're attempting to blend that sound with everyone else in the room at the same time. So you don't want to uh. be essentially, uh, ideally, you want to be the same pitch, you want to be the same timing, you want to have um, yeah all these things the same, right? And for any musician uh, who's who's worth their that you know who's got any chops or who wants to have chops, they'll know that that act of listening and and sinking in with people around you mm. is so important and <laughs> and like for, for music for improv and it's so cool and yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> oh, thanks for saying that because yeah. that's the other interesting thing people should uh be aware of with practices is that the 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 ideal way of doing them is is fun you know like it's uh. it's not it's not like a stoic kind of like serious like hmm i need to do it right you know it's like it's like <laughs> no if i do this right this is gonna be fun you know and, and i'm gonna connect with all these people you know same with jamming with music if you sit there and you're trying to jam with music and and you're just focusing on yourself and and how good you are at this thing you lose this whole experience of being a band you know of being a, yeah. a unified thing you lose this experience of being able to just not even know how you do it but somehow just playing 
imperfect cooperation and, and collaboration with, with another being. You know, it's like, it just feels good. And, um, and same with, with hitting a note. Like if you harmonize with people, um, if you're just mm. out of harmony with somebody else, uh, it's, it's, it takes more effort to do it. But mm. once you sync up and you find that resonance with another person, it's, it's just easier. It sounds better. It, you, you might not be able to hear yourself as well because the two sounds kind of merge together, which is this beautiful kind of thing as well. But, but it's mm. just so much more effortless. Like, and the more people there are in a room, like if you chant with, by yourself, it's kind of difficult and you can hear yourself so much more. So, so you're kind of like, oh, should I sound kind of crap? Or you know, there's more self-judgment. I keep on saying you. I feel this way anyway. I, when I'm doing it, um, when, I, uh, when, I'm, when I'm chanting by myself, I'm way more self-critical and, and it, it's harder. But as soon as there's one other person, it's a little bit easier. But when there's three to five other people, instantly I feel kind of safer because I can almost hide <laughs> amongst this sound. But really, it, it's, or it's just easier it, it takes less for some reason it takes less seemingly less breath and less okay. effort to it's like a slipstream of of sound you just get caught up in it yeah something like it has that effect i guess yeah and mm. um so so yeah like that 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 part of the practice of chinese is really important and again that carries not just in music but that carries to every part of your life you know if you're listening to people mm. and you're attempting to work in harmony with them like your sharing economies, guess what? <laughs> like things are just going to be smoother in general and you're yeah. going to be happier, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's that aspect of it. And then uh, also there's the, you know, there's the, the amount that you're using, that uh, I'm using my mind while I practice this thing. Like I'm, I've got to read something. I've got to, mm. I've got to produce a sound. I've got to listen to blend with the sound and... I've, I, if I want to take it a step further, I can try to understand the meaning of these words in Sanskrit if I've actually, you know, read the translation or what have you and try to feel mm. that, what they call the pav of it, like the, the, the flavor, the rasa, the, the vibe, you know, the vibe, the, the marbo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's marbo, it's the vibe. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, you've got all these things, like that's a real workout for your brain. So, like, naturally through this, this practice, you know, and I, I, there are probably some other things that I'm forgetting about it, but, um, but as you can see already, like, there's just so many benefits to this one particular practice. So, we mm. would do, yeah, like, the, that practice is maybe, like, between two to three hours a day, maybe more, depending if it's a special celebration event. And, and that'll be kind of scattered throughout the day as well. So you'll have these little moments throughout the day where um, it's like the end of a phase of the day. So like you, you, you wake up and you do, you know, you do some chanting. Um, but then at each point, like after your first initial um, offering of savor, which goes for maybe like two, three hours or whatever, um, then you'll, you'll have another chant that just kind of uh, reminds you why you're there, what the whole purpose is of, of what you're doing. It's not about this... Again, not about the outcome of whatever savor it was you're offering. You know, um, mm. it's more about understanding the self and, and heading in this direction towards liberation and what have you, and um, and which obviously makes you feel quite made me feel quite nice. You know, while I was chatting this thing, but it also kind of caps it off and says like, "All right, I'm done with that part of the day. Now focus on this this next part of the day." So you have that 
throughout your day. And I wish, I mean, I could do it. But I remember when I was there, I was like, I'm doing this in my daily life. You know, like, this is so (laughs) awesome because, you know, we don't have that in our world so much. Like, we, we have a lunch break and we have smoker break and whatever. But, you know, like... Some some people are probably really good at, at detaching and really having this kind of separation in their lives. But I know myself and I know a lot of people, they carry their work with them, you know, or they carry whatever they were just doing with them into the next moment. Or, you know, myself, I'm often thinking of the next thing that I'm doing, you know, like while I'm doing the thing mm. I'm doing now, I'm thinking of the next thing. And so I'm not really present and I'm, you know, I'm trying to get it done to get it done rather than seeing if I can actually enjoy this thing. So um, yeah. So those little, those those smaller chants throughout the day were super, super effective. Like in just, um, yeah, these, yeah, in the ways that I just described. Um, and then yeah, lots of meditation, uh, and uh, and study, lots of study, like reading reading uh, books written by my teachers, reading books uh, associated with you know things like Kundalini and. Yeah, various different things. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty much while I was there. It, my experience of it was was like that of uh, being in a university, like a university that was mm. was uh, helping me develop as an excellent human being. So no matter whatever I decided to do when I came out to the world, which should be noted as well, like our school, you know, uh, they don't recommend people give up their worldly life. Like if they want to, like sure, become a monk, become you know you know devote yourself live in an ashram do that that's fine you know if you want to do that then great but if you don't want to do that or you have worldly responsibilities a family whatever it is take care of that you know and while you're taking care of that here are these practices that you can that you can practice to make your life better and just you know so um so yeah like that was and oh i guess the other part there was also exercise in the day as well generally in the morning uh, so I did a lot of jogging and, and hatha yoga um, every day. So d- do you want to talk more ab- about, so that, I mean, that covers the, the practice pretty well, but what about, um, like you were telling me the other day about some of the effects of, of the mantra, the kind of bliss that you achieve from this? Yeah, I mean, um, I've been really fortunate and... Uh, Mm. Uh, the, the, which is funny you say this because one of the practices that I forgot to mention was japa, which is mantra repetition. So uh-huh. um, uh, in, our, in, in my practice, uh, there's two mantras that I use. Uh, one of them is more of a mantra that just sort of focuses on the in-breath and the out-breath. And the other one is Om Namah Shivaya, which is, uh, which again, I, 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 I can sort of say Om Namah Shivaya on the in-breath, Om Namah Shivaya on the out-breath. Uh, Om Namah Shivaya translates uh, roughly to, you know, Om, the primordial sound, Namah, I, I honor, I bow to, uh, and Shivaya, the, you know, the consciousness, Shiva, uh, mm-hmm. all, all that is. So I bow to all that is, and with Om in there. Um, and of course, you can, I, can, I can sort of have various different ways of thinking or feeling about that statement. But essentially, uh, when I used to practice this mantra before I before I went to the ashram, uh, I would find it difficult. Like I much preferred the other mantra, Soham, which is Ham on the in breath and So on the out breath, because that just mm-hmm. felt way more sort of relaxing and natural, and I, I didn't have to think so much about it. And when I'm meditating, 
like previously in the past, my meditation practice has been much closer to like zazen, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just sitting, um, maybe eyes open, mostly eyes open really in the past until Vipassana and, you know, sitting and just okay. fo- focusing on my breathing and things around me. Um, yep. I, I did practice some Vipassana. So, so like seated mindfulness meditation kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Your classic yeah. Kind of Zen stuff, um, which I, I kind of, I like the most at the, uh, for most of my meditation practice, which I've been practicing for about eight years now. Um, mm. And then I did a Vipassana course and Vipassana is much more of this kind of passing your awareness through your body and observing the sensations in your body, observing the, the nature of change within your body, that, that, that there is no permanence, everything is in constant flux. Um, and that was cool, but, but still I did that a little bit, but then I kind of went back to Zazen because my mind is really, I think a lot, you know. Um, so I, I, I preferred the practices that kind of allowed me to not have to think more uh, and so when I started practicing the mantra, um, like I said, I like the breathing one better. But and when I when I try to say Om Namah Shivaya uh, during meditation, there'd be like this tension. Like, you know, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, as you know from the time it takes me to get my podcast out. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I like to try to get things right, and, and I, I create a lot of tension uh, in my in my body and in my mind when I try to do things, when I try to put effort into things. So, um, I just give me one moment, I'm just going to drink some water. All right. Good idea. Stay hydrated. Mm-mm. Refreshing, fluoridated water. Yum, yum. <laughs> I feel brainwashed already. Where's, oh, my penile gland is hurting. Anyway. <laughs> penile gland? My penile gland hurts. <laughs> you should get that my look at some. My testicles <laughs> <laughs> anyway um so uh yeah so when i practice when i practice things in general i have this tension and so saying om namah shivaya you know like i could say om namah shivaya or i could say om namah shivaya you know like i could i could say it ah, a bunch so of, it's all up to your own rhythm no you can put your I, own swing I, on it i don't I don't think you're supposed to. (laughs) I'm just saying that I could if I was being, you know, being kind of lazy. I mean, because Sanskrit has a pronunciation, you know, like if you, or or a pronunciation, a pronunciation, I don't know how to pronounce, pronounce properly, but um, yeah, so like if you, if you know the pronunciation of of Sanskrit, like there is a correct way to say it. And so, you know, whether or not I, I, I kind of, had an idea of how to say it properly, but even when I was saying it properly, I was probably still second guessing myself. So the act of saying it was, uh, was difficult. Uh, and so I did it, but yeah, like I didn't, I didn't enjoy it so much. Um, but when I went to the ashram, I started to understand the depths of the mantra more because like, uh, the mantra is their, their, their words and their sounds but they also represent the self. Like the, the it's uh, again, my my understanding isn't great, but um, it's like I am the mantra. So mm. when I begun to practice practice a lot uh, at the ashram, there was a point where in which I would say re- repeat the mantra internally. I'm not saying it out loud, by the way. It's just internally. Um, mm. I would start to feel sensations in my body so when i said om like that would often kind of 
arises like a reverberation. And I mean, now that I think about it as well, like just saying, um, I am reverberating things in my lungs. So somehow on like an internal level, there's a similar kind of like expansion almost of, uh, of energy. We describe it as Shakti, uh, in, in our tradition. Um, there's like an expansion of this and movement of this Shakti, uh, inside of me, these sensations. And then Nama, Shivaya, you know, like they all, they have these different feelings. As I say them internally, it would, it would like emanate inside of me. And, um, there was one particular meditation that uh, went for about an hour and 15 minutes. I was sitting there, uh, and I was, I was reading a book about meditation practice practice called the heart of meditation, uh, by Swami Durgananda. And, uh, it's an amazing book. Anyone who's interested in meditation should read this book. Like if you've already got a practice going, you're going to love it. If you're just starting your practice, you're probably going to enjoy it anyway. Like, uh, I'm not sure I would, you know, I wasn't new to it when I read it, so I'm not sure what it'd be like to read it as a complete beginner. I usually recommend for complete beginners, there's a book called meditation, pure and simple by Ian Gawler. And that's, that's mm-hmm. really good. Great. But this, this book suggested as one of the, um, the focuses. Um, and the other thing to, to mention as well is that uh, one thing this book really jumped home for me is that meditation is, can be approached as a playful experiment. And that just changed the game for me completely <laughs> with meditation and practice. And again... Cool. That takes a lot of pressure off. Oh man, and same with life, you know. Like, if if yeah. the, the more the more I look at life as a playful experiment, you know, um, the yeah, just the more fun everything is, and the better I am at things generally. Uh, mm. But but yeah, so you said, you know, this is a play, playful experiment. But have fun with it, play with it. Here's one you can try. You know, uh, why don't you try repeating the mantra as if you're speak as if you're calling your beloved, as if you're calling the name of your beloved. You know. And that's ah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and um, you know, results may vary. You know, uh, this is not spiritual advice. <laughs> is that? Is that for this show? <laughs> all right, don't, don't a- put all your eggs in this one spiritual basket. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, for me, my experience was that um, I started saying, you know, like Om Namah Shivaya. You know, like. Like calling my beloved, like, you know, thinking about an ex of mine who I particularly loved, you know, or just, just that <laughs> sensation of, of, of my lover, you know, like, um, and, uh, as I started saying it, like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I've done a bit of acting training in my past, so I, I have a, a way of invoking certain feelings inside of myself. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people do have this, this ability to, to, have an intention like this and as soon as i intended to feel love or feel affection towards some this thing i started to feel it in my body you know like it's kind of like that almost that fake it till you make it kind of thing (laughs) intended till you feel it or something um (laughs) and uh yeah like after i don't know how long maybe 15 minutes or something like this uh, this feeling, this this lovely, lovely feeling started coming up, and you know, I'll put it out there. I've experimented with with all sorts of uh, chemical and uh, natural substances that alter consciousness. Uh, one of which being MD. And um, mm-hmm. anyone who's ever ha- taken MD, uh, that that sensation that you get of 
of uh, euphoria flooding your body, you know, and, and it's kind of sometimes it can be uh, like has this kind of warm quality, like like uh, sometimes it's almost sensual, you know, it has this kind of like real, and this is for me anyway, sometimes I feel really, if I take certain substances, really sensual. And I sometimes I describe it as sexual and it kind of, it has these connotations to it there, but but. I think this, this more this idea of, of sensual and the touch, like feeling of touching another human being or, or being touched, you know, that those lovely sensations mm. that you feel in your body from being, uh, from being, um, touched. Okay. okay. And, um, All right. So link, we're, we're running out of time here. Um, is there any projects uh, of yours that you want people to check out? Like, I know you've still well, got a, an, an uh, album or two floating around on the you know internet. What? You know what? You could probably mention those at the end, and, and we could do it at the time. I just kind of would like to right. finish this one little bit, because... Yeah, yeah, um, Okay, great. Because otherwise Go it's going to be kind of ra- weird. But um, yep. I started repeating this. I was repeating the mantra, and during this uh, experience, I didn't, I didn't have the same intensity that I'd have from taking MD or something, but I did have really unsubtle and strong feelings of bliss and and uh and joy just rising out of me and so when since i came back from the ashram and since that experience particularly when i repeat the mantra um not all the time but often if i'm sitting in a particular place i just feel these subtle emanations of bliss and stuff like that uh through my body and again these words are like words like bliss can be misinterpreted or interpreted whatever way, but so it's kind of hard for me to convey what I'm actually feeling. But yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet. It's a really lovely kind of practice uh, to have developed for me. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> projects, creative projects, things on the go. I mean, I have my website inkalot.net. So up there, we've got I've got I've got podcasts. I've got three albums that you can download for free off Bandcamp. Um, and I mean that's pretty much what's up there at the moment. How do we find you on Bandcamp? Uh, is it inkstainpro.bandcamp.com or the other way around? Bandcamp bandcamp.inkstainpro. I N K. I'll put that in the show notes. So, yeah, so if you want to listen to Link's music, it's it, it'll be in the show notes there. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all all the albums are pretty old now. Like they're at least a few years old. But there's there's some fun in it. Uh, yep, enjoy. And the the podcasts, um, I'm going to turn more out. But we've actually got people who might remember you. Did, we're talking about your legal experiences uh, in mm-hmm. court, and uh, we've got the interview with you up there. It sort of goes more in detail in that. So if anyone's interested in getting more detail from that, they should check out the podcast with Kurt. And um, yep. yeah, you can. And if anyone's in Melbourne uh, and they want to get involved in kind of like film and um, and music, like collaborative projects and things like that, uh, I'm often. Uh, meeting up with with uh, friends of mine and just doing creative things like that. So we're always looking for new people to hit us up and and be part of the crew. So what about the uh, jamming in the streets? Have you been doing much of that lately? We haven't been in the streets. Inverter Alter is what you're talking about, which Kurt yeah. is still an uh, uh, international member of. And we're going to have to figure <laughs> out some way to do some like Skype gig with you, which would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like it started out mainly as a kind of uh, collaborative open source music project where we set up uh, musical gear in the streets and invite the public to collaborate with us. Uh, currently, uh, we've got a few new members, MC Purple Duck, a.k.a. Siphon from Fortnite Productions. Yes. Um, yeah, and and uh, some other cool crew have just joined the band. So at the moment, we're more um, 
we're more introverted, I guess. We're, we're, we're indoors jamming through winter. We, we most likely will be out on the streets at some point in the near future. Um, but yeah, currently we're kind of developing our, uh, our, our vibe. <laughs> we're developing Great. our way of, our way of working. So yeah, we're doing that. Um, but yeah, people can hear the stuff for that. Uh, we've got the inverter altar. There's some some recordings from some house parties and stuff we did on on uh, Bandcamp as well. No, SoundCloud, uh, which yep. you can find at soundcloud.com/inv-alt. Um, lo-fi recordings, all improvised, semi-chaotic. But if you're into experimental weird shit, uh, check it out. It's it's pretty fun. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Link. Good Good talking to you. Love you heaps, man. Love you too. (laughs) Press like and subscribe on iTunes.